Welcome to another inspiring message from David Hall, pastor of LifePoint Church, Adelaide, Australia. It's our sincere prayer that you would experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. For more information, please visit davidhall.com.au. Until our nine o'clock service this morning, I, I, I can honestly say I'd never ever preached on this subject ever before. I've never preached this passage ever before. I've been preaching 15 years. I've never preached on this, out of this story, out of this parable. I've read it. I believe it's impacted my life over different times, but I've never preached on it in a, in a church service. And, and I just felt the Holy Spirit lead me to this passage this morning. And I'd love you to turn with me, please, to the book of Mark. The book of Mark. Whenever I go to America and preach and say, teaching from the book of Mark. You hear a little hum in the crowd as they mock us. And if you're American, it's Mark. If you're South African, any South Africans in the house? It's Mark. Mark. You got anyone from India? It's Mark, I tell you. (laughs) Anyone from Modbury in the house? It's Mark. I can make that joke because I'm from Modbury. The book of Mark, verse 1. And again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. So then he taught them, or then he taught them many things by parables. And he said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. Somebody say wayside. Wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root. It withered away. And some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground. Somebody say good ground. And it yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things Come in parables, so seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now this is important here because he almost says to them, this is the most important parable in the word of God. He says it, but he sort of doesn't say it. I want to explain that because... It's the most important parable, not because the truth of that parable is any more important than any other truth in any other parable, but unless we comprehend the principle here, there's a very good chance, or maybe going by the stats here, a 75% chance that we may never be able to comprehend what God is actually saying, and the word and the seed that he places within our lives may never take hold and be what God's called it to be. And so right here, the Bible says that he talks to the guys alone. He says to his 12, he says to their friends, maybe some 40 people, and he says to them, 
this is actually what it means. And he begins to clarify the meaning of the parable. Although I think he gave a fairly good explanation, he gives another explanation around the same, the same idea. And in verse 14, he says, the sower sows the word. The sower. Who's the sower? It's God. It's Jesus. He sows the word or, or whatever it is that he wants to sow into your life and mine. And the Bible goes on to say this in verse 15. And these are the ones by the wayside. Somebody say the wayside. Where the word was sown, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So we look here in this passage and we see the soil of the wayside, the, the unresponsive heart, where seed lands on that place, it, it can never burrow down, it can never connect with the soil because the soil is hardened, hardened by foot traffic, hardened by, by even animals pulling carts and what happens is it gets packed and packed and packed and therefore it no longer has the power to produce something because that soil has been so compacted by being under the feet of so many other things. Maybe a hard heart isn't necessarily somebody that's just chosen to be obstinate to God uh, or, or, or close to what God may or may not have for them. Maybe it's a case that they've just been stepped on one too many times and their ability to receive from the word of God it has just been damaged or the seed of God has just been damaged. That's why we as a church have an obligation upon us and a responsibility to steward people who have been hardened by the pain of life. We need to get around people and lift them and help restore their souls and help restore their spirits so they can receive what God has for Man, I'm feeling excited this morning in the name of Jesus. And this is just, we're just getting started. We'll get into the message in a minute. But then he starts preaching about the rocky place. Verse 16, he says, these likewise are the ones. Sown on, on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, which I find so interesting. They receive it with gladness. I'll, I'll read on and then I'll explain why I find it so interesting. <laughs> they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the world's sake, immediately they stumble. So we're talking about an unresponsive heart. Here, we can see a shallow heart. I don't know a lot about roots and trees, but my son is, I don't, my son James is hilarious. He's always planting something. He's growing snow peas at the moment. We're, I get to eat snow peas. Every, Dad, I've got a snow pea. Fantastic, because I now love snow peas. Uh, before, I didn't care for them so much, but I like them now. And so he's growing these snow peas, growing different things. Here's the thing about roots that I have learned. Roots, they go into the ground, they look for water. And so here, the surface of the soil is so thin because under it is rocky ground. It springs a root, but the root can't go down, so it sprouts up. The minute the sun hits it, because it's not able to find the thing that it's looking for, what ends up happening, that, 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 that seed gets scorched and it dies. In other words, we, we, we're talking about a, a, an unresponsive heart. Here, we're talking about a shallow heart. In other words superficial Christianity has a lifespan. When, when, when we don't allow God to go deep into our world, our involvement in the things of God will have a short window because we, we can have a, we can receive the word with gladness. I've preached to people that yell amen and, and then sometime later that same amen 
they're just not in that space. They're, gone. they're not interested. Why? Because sometimes it goes in one ear, there's a gladness, but then it's gone. The Word of God, the seed of God, everything that God has for us, we need to make sure we're cultivating an environment in ourselves where God can put deep roots into our spirit, into our life, and produce in us that which He desires to produce in us. The seed is good. The seed is good. But what about the environment that that seed is planted in? I can't change the seed. Every seed that God gives is perfect. But I can take dominion over this ground and say, God, never let me get to a point where I'm unresponsive. God, never let me get to a point where maybe I'm thin with my walk with God. I want to have a depth of, of spirituality that's real and authentic that knows God. Are you with me this morning? Do you believe it today in the name of Jesus? If you do, can you say amen for just a... Then there's, then the Bible goes on and talks about the thorny places. Verse 18, now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entering in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. We have an unresponsive heart here. We see a shallow heart. Now we see a divided heart. People who have the capacity to grow something in the garden or the soil of their life, but they've also taken the seed of other things. And other things are growing. And wheat and tares cannot grow together long term. You can't can't have a situation where you serve two masters. The Bible's clear. one 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 of the... Key commandments is one of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. How easy is it? I've got this thing on my phone right now because I've got an iPhone. And the iPhone tells you how long you've spent on the iPhone for the week. Well, that will challenge everything. It's right there. It's like there's an app made by the Holy Ghost to confront Christians. (laughs) You've been on your iPhone. In one day, you were on it for 27 hours. You're looking at Facebook, you're looking at Instagram, you're looking at the real two that you look at. What, I can't even think of any other app. What, is there another? They're the only two, right? It's MySpace. I used to be on MySpace. I think it's still on there. MySpace.com forward slash Rev 81 Adelaide Town Reverend 81 That is awesome. It's actually quite powerful. <laughs> what year were you born, John? You could be A-Town Rev 77. We could start a club. It's not a big club. It's just the two of us. We would have invited Keith, but he'll bring his cigars. <laughs> pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, lead. A divided heart. My phone was telling me I've been. I, was, I looked on Instagram in one day, and I was in fairness. I was travelling, so I didn't have much else to do. I was stuck at it. I looked at Instagram over an hour of my day was on Instagram. <laughs> That's a long time to just. <laughs> Nicole had linguine for dinner. 
Joel Pittman's muscles are looking bigger. <laughs> Keith Moody's smoking. <laughs> the Irambona boys are showing off their new clothes. <laughs> Let me look around. I'm trying to look for individuals who I can tease. Tanya Hall's led another thousand people in Pakistan to Jesus. At least she's doing something worth posting. Well done. Not like all of us in <laughs> LifePoint Church. My boys, James has no teeth. Anyway, broader point. How easy is it to just be distracted and other things begin to grow around and about you? I don't know about you, but I, I feel like it's easier to start trying to serve two masters. We let stuff get in. We let thoughts, attitudes, the thorns of bitterness, the thorns of jealousy, the thorns of comparison. Maybe it's the thorns of hurt and pain. Maybe it's the thoughts of being judgment. Maybe it's, maybe it's thorns from not walking the way God's called us to walk. I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, there's a seed of what God wants to produce in us. And my prayer is that I'd never let myself get in the way of what God wants to produce on the inside of me and on the inside of you. I believe God's called this church to be good ground. That when God wants to deposit something, it's not, it doesn't thrive in one and not the other. I believe it can, it can be a, 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 a blessing and a deposit from heaven in which we all grow together. I've been in meetings uh, some Sundays and I'm just not feeling it, you know. I'm just, maybe I'm just in my head, I've just got other stuff going on. And you look at the person next to you and they're absolutely lost in the presence of God. So often uh, we can be in different spaces because maybe just some of those thorny spaces in our heart, we need to just trim those things back and say, God, I'm praying that I could be good ground for you to do whatever it is that you want to do in my life in the name of Jesus. Verse 20 goes on to say, but there are those ones there are, I can't read it, bless the Lord. I'm getting excited and reading other things. Verse 20, is it on the screen? But these are the ones sown on good ground. Somebody say good ground. Right here, he shows us how it works. Those who hear the word, somebody say hear the word accept it and bear fruit. Those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit. I love this. Bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. I love it when he's explaining this uh, earlier on in verse 8. He said, it fell on good ground and the crop sprang up. It increased and produced. I want what God has in my life to increase and produce. The seed of God's word to produce something in me and through me in the name of Jesus. I'm believing God that the seed of potential, the seed of his blessing, the seed of his favor, the seed of his anointing, the seed of the word of God, the seed of anything of God's promises, when they take a hold of your life, when they're, when they're supernaturally deposited into your world, that something supernatural would take place for the glory of God. That God had increased through us. That God had produced through us. I'm not talking about a message where this is about our church being good ground so that the agenda of the church can go forward. I'm talking about in your relationship with Jesus. Are you good ground for what God wants to do for you in 2019? I'm believing that God can do something supernatural in the name of Jesus. And I want to have a look at this today. How to be good ground for the seed of God. What is seed? It's everything that God can deposit within us that will bear fruit. That's seeds, as I've said, of the word. Seeds of God's power. Seeds of God's wisdom. 
seeds of God's potential, his anointing, his grace. I don't know too much about how seeds work and all of that. But what I do know is that whatever seed comes from heaven is perfect. The seed of God is perfect. It is incorruptible seed. So when God, God's word is perfect, his word given by the Holy Ghost, anointed by the Holy Spirit, when, when God's word comes into your world, when God's blessing comes into your world, when something of God comes into your world, it is perfect seed. So the issue is never whether or not what God gives us is good enough. What, how God blesses us is good enough. That's never the issue. The issue is how is the environment of our life conducive to what God wants to deposit in the name of Jesus? Because God, by His Spirit, wants to deposit in you the seed of breakthrough. Whatever good thing He wants to deposit in your life, I pray that we would be good ground so it can increase and produce in the name of Jesus. And so I want to have a look at this because I really do believe this is powerful in terms of allowing God to impart into us the goodness of God. Keys to becoming good ground. Is there anyone that wants to be good ground? I want to be good ground. I just want to be good. I feel like our church is good ground. You come in here. It's just good ground. Preach the word. There's faith in the house. People get saved. People know the Holy Spirit. God's doing things. There's good ground. But I pray individually in our own lives, when we leave this place today, are we good ground for what God wants to do in our lives? Let's have a look at this. Good ground. Number one, how do we, how do we produce? How, how do we be a people that can produce what God wants to deposit in our lives? How do we be good ground? Number one. We soften the soil of our heart, number one. Soften the soil of our heart. I want to talk to everyone about this for a minute because it's easy to get hard-hearted. I sort of said it before, that that soil that he's talking about is the soil that's been trodden on. It's the soil, and I'm not trying to say that it's only that. Sometimes we can just be good old-fashioned, unwilling, not open for whatever reason. But at the end of the day, as believers, this is talking in the context of those that may not have a heart to believe God, but let's talk to those that do believe God. It's easy for our hearts to get hardened by different things. Yeah. I was thinking about Donna and me. Uh, I said it in our nine o'clock service, so she has heard this. But when we're arguing, that's fine. I'm not saying it's good to argue. I'm just saying, I know everything's okay if we have a good little Barney and I'm like, rah, 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 and she's like, rah, 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 and Rah, rah, rah. Amen, let's hug. You know, that's how, that's how we fight. I don't know, but does anyone not fight? How many marriages here you don't fight? If you don't fight, we don't trust you. How many have had a good Barney every now and then? Just Like Donna and I, we have the best Barneys when she's pregnant. When Donna is with child, I get in a lot more trouble than normal. But... Let me say one thing about my wife. She, firstly, she's my best friend. She's awesome. And we, have, we actually have a great marriage. We tease each other on Sundays, but we, we, we love life and serving God together. We've got a family. It's, one, it's all good. But one thing I do know is when we have a little Barney, I think everything's okay. But when the walls go up and I'm like, are you all right? Yes. <laughs> I know the soil of her heart has hardened. <laughs> And I am in a lot of trouble. That's when I go and stay at Keith and Lydia's. 
It's never happened, by the way. But you know, the, the crazy thing is, I've seen marriages, just pastoring church, I've seen marriages fall apart because I've seen the stalemate that happens when both hearts harden and there's no softness anymore. I've seen relationships, friendships break when it just gets to a point, it's too hard now and this isn't going to work. And I, I want to encourage you. For whatever reason, we can get hard-hearted in life and, and I'm not even really here to deal with that on a, on a horizontal level, but on a vertical level, I want to encourage us to make sure that we stay tender-hearted before God, tender-hearted to the Holy Spirit, tender-hearted to the Word, tender-hearted to the guiding voice of the Spirit of God, tender-hearted to the, to the Word and the counsel of God. Because if we have a hard heart, it's very hard for God to deposit that in us, which has the power to grow. You know, uh, I wanted to say this. The Bible says in the book of Hosea, chapter 10, verses 11, verse 11, he says, I'll make Ephraim pull a plow, Judah shall plow. Judah means praise. Praise is a plow. When our hearts are hardened before God, I would encourage you, just get into worship. Just worship Jesus. Because as you do, what happens is plowing that hard heart. He's plowing that hard space. And the seed will go again. Maybe it's been a while since you've lifted your hands. Maybe you're just a bit a bit too grumpy to worship God. Maybe the walls are up. Can I encourage you? I, Keep your walls up to whatever. Keep your walls up to anything. But when it comes to God, soften that heart and allow him to do what he wants to do. Do you know why I say that? You say, are you saying I can just keep my walls up with someone else? I'm not really saying that. What I am saying is if you'd soften them to him, it's amazing they'll come down in every other area of your life in the name of Jesus. I don't want to walk around walls up. I want to walk around walls down. I want good soil full of worms and full of... Full of worms. I don't really know where to go now that I just made that comment. I don't really know how to work that in. But maybe you might feel like you've had stuff in your soil that's been unpleasant. Well, it might not be a bad thing. Thank you, Andy. Number two. He talks about an unresponsive heart. Then he talks about a shallow heart, doesn't he? And... So I want to talk about this for a minute. We need to, we need to dig deeper. So we've got to soften the soil, but we also need to go a, bit, a little bit deeper. I want to challenge our church to, and I want to talk to our young people as well too, because one of the things I've seen so often is there's a thin depth in our, in our faith. And it's all good when everything's good. When everything's great, it's all good. It's a, a thin. What about when things go bad? You know, I want to make I want to make a point. I don't want to embarrass them. I don't want to put them on the spot. But Joel and Ari Pittman are very dear to me, and I, I love them very much. And they're incredible colleagues to work with. They're also dear friends of ours. Have been with by our side forever. But do you know something? I remember watching both of them lose their dads to cancer, and I watched them go through hell and go through pain. But one thing that I remember, and I've never forgotten this, is because they had a depth of faith, because there was a depth in their relationship with God, even though that stuff is no better, it doesn't take pain away, it's all real stuff, but I watched them flourish, I watched the anointing on them increase, I watched them press into God, I never heard them make negative confessions, I never heard them say blah, 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 and they might have asked those questions in their own heart, but... 
watching them conduct themselves in that season, I saw what the enemy could have used for evil to pull them out of the kingdom of God, to destroy their destiny. I watched the roots because they were so deep, because both of them had been given parents to put the word of God in their spirit. When the winds of hell came against them, they stood. And why did they stand? Because it wasn't thin. It wasn't a thin layer. It wasn't just a rocky surface with a bit of soil on top. Church, can I say, if we want to endure to the end, there's got to be a depth in our walk with God. We can't just get by. That's why you won't find me preach too much just how to live a happy life. Because to be honest with you, your happiness is not my biggest burden. Your, your personal sense of success is not my biggest burden. Your eternity is my biggest burden. Your walk with God, whether you're winning the loss. But, but can I say, well, your happiness might not be our biggest burden. Your joy certainly is. Happiness is fickle. It comes and goes. You have a bad day, you're not happy. You win the lottery, you're happy. But can I say, whether you're good, bad, indifferent, joy is from the Holy Spirit. So it sustains you in all. And where does joy come from? A vibrant relationship with Jesus. Oh man, bless the Lord. How do we? How do we be good ground? We dig. We dig deep wells. Think about the Apostle Paul. He wrote the book on this. Literally, he actually wrote it. And what about Paul? Paul knew. The doctrine of salvation, better than anyone. He articulated Christology, the study of Jesus, better than anyone. Paul wrote uh, two-thirds of the New Testament, 27 books, if you include Hebrews, which we do. He wrote, well, he, he wrote the New Testament under the anointing God. He was a scholar. He knew the Word. He knew the Old Testament. He was an expert in, in, in Jewish law. He had studied everything. He knew the Word of God. He knew God. He had a, a, he had a supernatural uh, encounter with God that got him saved. He knew Jesus. And he wrote the book. He wrote Romans. He wrote Corinthians. He wrote the other 25 (laughs) that have all left my mind. But can I tell you one thing about Paul's writing? This is what Paul says. Having written the book, he says this in verse 10 of Philippians 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. It's interesting. He didn't say that I may know about him. He knew all about him. But he actually said, my deepest desire is that I'd know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his, of his suffering and being conformed to his death. If by any means I may obtain, attain to the resurrection from the dead. The Amplified says that I may know the wonders of his person. This blows my mind. This blows my mind. This is Paul. He knew everything. I mean, he got knocked down to the ground on the road to Damascus. He went blind. He then got a miracle. He could see. He gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. He preaches the gospel. He was discipled by Barnabas. He had been in, he'd been, I mean, he was in the greatest moves of God ever. And he still at the end of it all says that I may know him. At what point did we stop thinking we still need to get more acquainted with God? At what point? I know him this much now. That's great. And you know something, 90% of the body of Christ, our church included, are at that point. We, yeah, oh, we, know him, we know him this good. That's good. And then we just stay there. We've, we've got to the point where spiritually there's no more growth. There's no more, there's no more depth. And I want to encourage you as a church, let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. There's more of God. The more I study the word, the more I realize how little I know. 
And when, when, when Paul talks about the unsearchable riches of Christ, it makes sense because there comes a point in your life where it's unsearchable. There's, I, I can't, this pea brain of mine, it's just a little brain. It works, I can move my arms and legs, it, it does what it needs to do. But I, how do I comprehend an infinite God who always was and always will? I can't, I can't comprehend him, but I can know him. I can talk to him and I can dig a deeper well that when the winds of trouble come, my seed isn't taken by the devil. It's not scorched by the, the, the son of circumstances, but it goes deep in the ground and produces something. God, I want to be good ground. Because God so wants to do something in every single life in this place. Every single one of you matter to God. And it'd be good ground for the seed of God's spirit to be alive on the inside of your heart. Number three, I'm nearly done. The two of you taking notes, you're doing well. <laughs> Number three, we need to align our heart with God's heart because he talks about that divided heart. Yeah. And in the book of Acts, I love this, verse 22 of 13, he says, the Lord speaking, he says, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Man after my own heart. David was fairly naughty. I don't know if you knew that. David, he was a little bit naughty. He had some sleazy moments. Got a bit of an eye for old Bathsheba. So he and Bathsheba, it happened and it wasn't good. So then he tried to cover it up. She got pregnant, that complicated thing. So he goes and kills the husband. And to cut a long story short, uh, he committed murder. He lied. He committed adultery, and which is not ideal uh, when you're raised up by God to have an impact for the glory of God. And so David was, was a bit naughty uh, and he messed up. He also had hundreds of wives um that that's an expensive christmas that that's a that's an expensive christmas and and i i've got one wife and christmas blows out that's a lot of trampolines you've got to build for a lot of different children and so old david he was he was a rat bag and just if 350 wives weren't enough 351 bathsheba and he messed up he murdered. I've not murdered. <laughs> to my knowledge, none of you have. To my knowledge. <laughs> but can I tell you, God is a man after my own heart. Yeah. If that was us, and we had a philandering murderer in the church, we got him up to preach, this is... A man after God's own heart. Give David, not Hall, David of Jesse, give him a welcome. He's going to come preach the word. He actually wouldn't be allowed to preach because he's been too naughty. He'd be out for life. The AOG would take his credential. David would never preach again because we're so full of grace. So David's finished. He's out of the ministry, but God still says, you're a man after my own heart. So I began to study the word of God. Here we're talking about a divided heart. Here we see a man after God's own heart. What was the difference? When David fell with Bathsheba, this is what always stood out to me. When he repented, he never said, God, if you get me out of this, I will never do it again. 
Has anyone ever prayed that? You've got yourself in a pickle. God, if you just get me out of this, I'll be at prayer meeting. I'll be, uh, I, I promise I will never, ever do that again. Just get me, David never prayed, get me out of any of it. The only thing he cared about, he knew the full ramifications of what he did. The only thing that he asked was take not your Holy Spirit from me. Create in me a clean heart. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Church, can I say that was what moved the heart of God. That David, he, he wasn't worried about anything else. He just wanted to have God's heart as his heart. And he'd come to God. He, he, another psalm in Psalm 63, he says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no rain or water. Oh God, you are my God. David wasn't perfect but he loved God. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't have a minute. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. What does that mean? He said, I'd rather be in this tattered old tabernacle, which by then was ripped and messed up, but he'd still set it up and he'd stand in there and go, I'd rather be here than anywhere else in the world. And God looks at him. We'd look at him and go, he's dodgy. He was mean. He did terrible things. But God says, you're a man after my own heart because literally David was after God. Can I encourage you in a world where we can have divided everything, divided loyalties, divided aspirations, confused vision? We don't know necessarily where we want to go. Can I encourage you to strip it all back and just get the thorns of distraction out of your world and say, hey, I fix my heart. I fix my eyes on Jesus. Come on, if you believe it, give the Lord a hand of praise this morning because God's looking for people to be people of good ground in the name of Jesus. And number four, we need to hear the word. And accept the word. He said that. Hear the word and accept the word. The Bible says in the book of Mark, people of good ground will hear the word, accept it. They'll bear fruit. Mary was minding her own business. And she would have been some, she was just a teenager, maybe 14, between 14 and 16. And an angel appears right there and says, Mary, you're going to give birth to a son. You're going to call him Jesus. She says, how? How can this be? I don't know a man. And he says, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The power of the highest is going to overshadow you. The seed was the seed of the Holy Spirit that in the womb of Mary produced Jesus. Now, you say, what What are you saying to me? Mary was not perfect. Mary was like you and me. She was not perfect. But, 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 but Mary was willing. Mary was willing. Mary was open to what God wanted to do. She was, she was willing. She heard the angel, the messenger of God, and she said, okay. And what happened? In an imperfect girl was put a perfect, incorruptible seed. And what happened? That incorruptible seed took hold and brought about the most perfect person that has ever been, Jesus Christ. It's amazing. God can use your imperfections if you would say, God, I just want good ground. And maybe for whatever reason you're here today, and for whatever reason you've just let the ground of your heart get hard. You know, in the nine o'clock, I didn't really zero in on that like I have in the 11, but I just feel like in this room today, somewhere there's people, you're good people. You're anointed, the hand of God's on you call of God's like, but for whatever reason, you've just got ground of your heart. It's just been hard on you. Maybe it's to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Maybe 
as to the leading of God. I don't know. And I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm just trying to say maybe there's people here in your heart. I'm not asking you to have a soft heart to Life Point Church. I'm not asking you to have a soft heart to your mother-in-law. We all battle. <laughs> but what I am asking you to do is have a soft heart to the person of Jesus, to the Word of God, to the anointing of God. Because if your heart can be softened in His presence, He can produce anything in you. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to know more about David and Donna, please visit our website, davidhall.com.au.